So uh, welcome to Find a Line, open conversation and debate about faith, spirituality and living life. Well done! I know, I did it, I remembered. And my name's Nathan. And <laughs> I'm Ben. And, and who are you? Who are you before us? Uh, I'm Tara. Hello, Tara. Hi. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the madness that is Find a Line. So, um, I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, I know. It's good. <laughs> so far, so good, you know. Yeah, we, we've, uh, we're going well. Yeah. Still good, a little airborne, still good, still good. Yeah, this is our first time being mobile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, we're in... Um, portable. Mm-hmm. We've put a photo up, actually. I think we should. Oh, oh we should yeah. put a photo up. That would yeah. be really cool. Yeah. yeah, that way the social media engagement's more than just like, new episodes out! <laughs> you know, like, we can yeah, actually so. interact a little bit more and let mm-hmm. people know what we're doing and what's yeah. happening. So all the little exciting stuff. Yeah. Uh, speaking about social media, we have a Facebook social group that we are sort of pumping at the moment. Mm-hmm. So it's a s- private, no, secret group, I don't know. If you search it up or buzz one of us, uh, there's an you're invite. Secret, you're going to have like a secret door knock. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We'll ask you three you know. questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. are the questions? Yeah, what? yeah. What's your name? What is your name? <laughs> okay. What is your favorite color? Like, sorry, for, for people who don't know, that is a very fringe joke on Monty Python. And I don't know if that's fringe. I think it's just old at this point. <laughs> it's just old. It's just old. You know. Anyway. So obviously we've got the guests with us, as, as we do. We have like little co- co-host guests. Maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, Tara. If you're going yeah, up in an elevator... And someone's like, who are you? I don't know, what would you, what would you say? Uh, look, in that situation, probably nothing, because I'm a bit of an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why we hang out with people like Nathan, because then they can just introduce us to everybody. That's right. That's, uh, yeah. that's very true. Yeah. But, you know, if it was uh, in a fairly reasonable conversation, I might tell people that I uh, am a pastor at Hillsong Church. Fairly recent development in my life, but I've been a pastor for about 15 years, 10 years as a youth pastor. And before that, it was like part-time social worker as well so hmm. i guess that's a bit of what i do but i'm an enneagram three too yeah i don't really have anything else sorry <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll. yeah yeah cool 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 you were never into the my briggs type style no test, no yeah, yeah, um I, i'm also deliberately pushing nathan's buttons at this point because i know he doesn't like oh and it's funny me and ben were even <laughs> driving up here we like i bet you tara is going to say something about yep. that enneagram <laughs> and uh i mean you like the enneagram you engage in it just fine, yeah. 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 yeah how do you identify ben for our listeners again? I, I pretend to be a nine wing you eight. pretend to be a nine wing eight yeah mm. if, if i'm forced to identify a number which i will mm. in, a, in a seven i would say i'm a seven mm. wing six so and um, that's so which is yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, I'm the one who wants to be the part life of the party, but I'm suspicious of everything. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And it's probably why I don't like the enneagram as much because, from a very stereotypical point of view, mm. if you go mess around the enneagram, it's like the seven's like I don't want to be put in a little box. Yeah. Anyway, I just but think it's uh, really ha ha ha. I'm a nine wing eight, which means I don't like conflict, but then I want to challenge everyone. So, yeah, <laughs> that is. is I actually <laughs> was wondering if that the other day if any of those actually existed. Mm. But there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, it's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are a Walking, what do you call it? Like contra- yeah, that yeah, was yeah, walking contradiction. <laughs> yeah. So we are talking about the concept of having a platform. Mm-hmm. Mm. While on a platform. While, While on, on a platform. platform. Yeah, yes, cool. that's right. Exactly. Yeah, this like, is a platform. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Oh my goodness! How oh, meta! Yeah. We're literally hmm. recording and hmm. podcasting platform. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we'll just start there. Like, what's everyone's experience of having like a platform? And when we say that, hmm. like the a space to project one's thoughts and ideas hmm. to a larger group than sure. just your friends. <laughs> Tara, Maybe this yeah, isn't a platform, wanna... this podcast at all. What <laughs> <laughs> about yourself, Tara? I mean, what's, been, is, yeah. what's been your experience? Um, well, I guess varying levels of experience. It's definitely been something I've been thinking about more of recent. So as I kind of mentioned, fairly new development for me is being uh, involved in a fairly well-known church, which comes with its own dynamic and the way people... Uh, view and even just the interactions online so as almost immediately uh, after updating 
things like my profiles or, you know, all of that sort of thing. You have people who ask certain questions of you or view you differently, but also that space comes with its own level of responsibility, yeah. right? So, yeah. But even before that, I think uh, advocacy that was a really big part of my role and interest in social work. And so learning how to use a public voice and public space for the benefit of others was something that I was aware was really important, saw was really effective and, you know, learnt about, but probably something that I wasn't great at initially. I have probably spent the last 15 years exploring how <laughs> yeah. to or not to do that. Yeah, totally. You know, like make plenty to do that of better. Uh, mistakes mm. along the way, but yeah. Mm. Mm. And obviously, like, you've, you've, you've preached at church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so public speaking um, in, in a few different contexts um, and for church and walk that line between, you know, community sector and church so have kind of done events that sit in between there as well so and and all of that comes with its own different challenges and mm -hmm. and things yeah for me like the big obvious one would be like I was pastor for a number of years mm -hmm. at a Baptist church so like that preaching platform and that mm -hmm. space there uh, I would also say even just the space in being a small group leader and mm -hmm. stuff like that is a level of a platform like a smaller group but uh so was a speaker and stuff in youth ministry way back when I was young and uh, yeah, various small groups, uh, pastoral life, and now having a podcast and a blog. Although the blog isn't really something I get to do as much as I would like because just the time to write is just not there. Mm. But yeah, this is like more of a self-made platform now. Mm. But those, those are my experiences that, with that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I'd always do tag your, your name then. I know, yeah, I still get likes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I figured you'd go and do that. Uh, you know, I like what's get people to mm. your, just need your more platform. Content. Yeah, mm. that's right, that's right. Yeah, so I would say I platform, probably more on, a, on an online sense. Um, so Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. My Twitter is very, much, I've noticed something that you probably would understand as more as like all the theologians use Twitter, like mm -hmm. majority of the time. Yeah. I just think that's very fascinating, in, you know, a phenomenon in of itself. It's a very academic oh, like, totally. platform. And like actually seeing <laughs> like discussions happen live in, like in different tweets and retweets and everything, it's very fascinating. I, 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 like Twitter. I, just, I just don't get Twitter. Yeah, yeah well. You know, that's all right. One, one, one day again. One day. <laughs> yeah, that ship has sailed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bird has yeah. flown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, obviously, social media, mm. I do try to engage that. Mm. Um, also, I have spoken in the past, like preaching as well. And also at work, I've weirdly enough have found myself in like PD spaces, like professional development spaces where I'd speak to the chaplains at the school I work at or to the staff members around self-care and things like that. And it just comes with the role that I do. So I have found myself in those spaces and small groups as well. Although, to be honest, I find small groups to be the hardest space to do that, I guess, to be in. I don't know. Maybe it's just my personality around how I like to communicate. But one-on-ones or, or like preaching is so much easier than, <laughs> than like groups of 10 people. But that's just me. Anyway. Mm. Just launch with what you were saying before. Like what's been the most effective platforms that you feel that you've ever had like you were saying like you struggle with the more small group mm. sort of scenario yeah and, and i would say that probably has more to do with a personality type yeah because than, i would necessarily those spaces they're actually very good spaces to mm. have dialogue and conversation and whatnot mm. um it's just more of a intimidating factor of doing that yeah whereas i often find that i'm just naturally geared to those other spaces mm. but certainly one-on-ones mm. are probably very good at like having those conversations of individuals. You're literally a professional in that department. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's literally what I do for a living. Yeah. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but that's just my personal mm. kind of feel I to it. I, I totally get that, like, small group thing being difficult, though. Like, mm. that 
Um, I think you've, that's a, that's a whole other profession in itself. And some people I know who are good at that space mm. are mm. brilliant at that space, mm. you know, and uh, like I've learned things from being in a space with someone who knows what they're doing in that kind of zone. I think not everyone is great at, you've got to facilitate that's and right. manage and like listen and communicate. Whereas, yeah. you know, one-on-one it's mostly listening and public speaking, it's mostly communicating, but to be able to manage all of those dynamics, I think is a whole, yeah. yeah. Takes I, a I love that. Person. That's my thriving point. That is your thriving point. And you are very good at like coordinating conversation, allowing people to be heard, but then allowing others to be heard. And, you know, and if someone is domineering, how to, Steer it in such yeah, a it's, that, it's that nine in that wing eight. Like, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, right. That's Everything's right. enneagram that, tonight. Yeah, right, yeah. It's that ability to like hear people out, but also like yeah, nicely shut them down when they need to be quiet. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I always mm. loved that. That was, and I always found that to be for me because I think I communicated so well in that space. Mm. It's mm. just a really great place to form genuine community for me. Mm. Um, mm. Was I always cool. struggled with that on a large scale. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Do you find that works as well? Because you've said some of your spaces are online. Uh, I think the biggest difference i think is when that's effective or not it's like there's online where people like are just watching something passively but then there's online interaction where you can have general like do you find you can still do that kind of thing in the online space or uh yeah it's a whole different set of rules that in hindsight i would not think i would have ever managed a group like that in Mm. that sense that just seems really hard. <laughs> yeah. I have some friends managing some things in similar zones, especially yeah. deliberately bringing different different points of view together. Yeah. I don't envy there. No. Yeah, it, it would be hard. I, I've noticed yeah. like in online spaces, if I have engaged, I like try my best. Often I'll write something out and then I'll edit it before I post it because I go, okay, I've got to add puns. I've got to add emojis. Emojis are good. Emojis are like the best the online invention in terms of like, yeah. like uh, digital body language, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I convey that? Yeah. Like I, I even need to, to use them in my, my professional work emails, and I probably totally. shouldn't, but it just—I get such a better yeah. connection with all the people mm-hmm. I work with, yeah. yeah, because I can actually express mm. intent. That's right. That's right. So I like—I try like if I'm on an online platform, do mm. like mostly do commenting yeah. back and forth or messages and like direct messages, like or yeah. personal messages. Like, how do I convey mm. the what would have otherwise been nuances yeah. as per a live in-person yeah. conversation versus doing it in written yeah. form? It's not easy because I think as well. Even though we can all have those initial reactions in person, because all the body language is removed, you can have even more initial reactions. Like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, because unless we intentionally don't think the worst of what's happening, and I think often we can think the worst of what's happening, mm. um, at least in my experience, I have to read it and then breathe and go, mm. okay, yeah. I've got to wish their best intentions towards mm. me and then just choose to engage. Because then otherwise you'll be like, Oh no! So having those emojis, having those ways, those nuances of explaining it well, um, you're able to kind of soften that initial reaction and then learn to respond well in terms of what's happening in that yeah. particular moment. That's why I prefer like forums as opposed to chat mm. rooms. Yeah, like, right. So I manage the Living Just Australia yeah. group on Facebook, and so there's times you got to step in, but at mm. least it's there's posts and you can track mm. it, and there's a conversation, mm. and people have like usually taken a beat to express themselves mm. but like in a chat room or even like a zoom meeting or stuff like people just get to jump in yeah. constantly all the time it's just anarchy mm. <laughs> yes yeah but how have you found it because i mean yeah i've stalkerish of me mm. but because i had followed your work mm. and uh, follow your interactions i actually mm. see like mm. Ooh, she's commenting on something in the back forth conversation i always I, I now await the either on the chat depending on how um how many people are like familiar to us or if it's to- someone like totally outside of our thing mm. 
Nathan will like private message like the popcorn emoji. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. I'm glad you said that because I was going to say yeah, that. Yeah. I was like, yep. no. I was going to say before. I think I I now overthink emojis more than I overthink words. Mm, like yeah. I will I will adjust emojis for like longer than I'll adjust the words in a comment yep. or something because it really does like I'm like how am I going to read that? How is it going to be read? How are people mm. going to feel walk away feeling? But yeah, I often wonder, and a lot of people sort of talk about the futility of the online platform Mm. and maybe it's because I was quite far removed from anyone who was thinking along the same lines as I was or like I think back to quite a few years ago when I was exploring different kind of ways of looking at theology and and things like that and I just felt like I had no connections to people I could talk that through with and online was a lifeline Mm. and and not only that I feel like I have learned so much and I'm I'm personal confession but like entirely defensive if people challenge me in person (laughs) but I can read something on an online forum where someone's challenging someone else or maybe me whatever but it's not direct and so I don't have that same emotional reaction to it and so I'm reading and thinking not only can I think about the response better but also I have time to kind of gauge why I'm reacting the way I am Mm. or go oh that person responded I think I've literally learnt to communicate better by watching people say apologize when they have said something that's been offensive that person said oh that was you know and then I've watched like these really humble responses of wow I never known that that was hurtful I'm sorry like I I will try to do better and Mm. you know those sort of things that we haven't necessarily seen modeled very well Mm. so Um, as much as I hear a lot about like how futile it is to engage, I've always felt like there is actually some really That's valid right. reasons to yes. engage and yeah. to put it there and to put it in the comments where people can see it. Because, I mean, those the articles or the converse, comments or the posts are, are public. So the conversation that brings nuance to it needs to be, mm. I don't know. Well, it's something I've always I've appreciated vibe. when I've seen you engage online, like even if there's a, a particular point that they might make that's actually very valid. You will actually acknowledge that as like, okay, that that's valid. I'm thinking about it from that point of view, mm-hmm. um, which is very humbling of you, I think, that time. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's just really good. And it, it talks about into that phenomenon that, like, in terms of platform, these online platforms, the ability to not only see how things are modelled, but then also the fact that that exists. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, speaking personally, and I, I imagine in different ways we might be able to attest to this or not, depends on your experience, but certainly because of online platform that I've discovered, like, people because of their platform. Yeah. So, like, Brian Zand would be an example of somebody I never knew about, mm. um, who's a particular pastor in the United States. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the fact that these platforms exist, mm. and because they exist, all of a sudden, what would have otherwise been localised sermons or theologies that would have never been globalised, all of a sudden we can now engage in a more global platform because now we can actually hear each other's points of view, which I think is quite incredible when you stop mm. thinking about it. So we've also got the interesting phenomenon where it's, so you can find people like that who have a platform and you're able to connect with that. Mm. But we also have the other end of the scale where everybody has a platform. It's like social media is just one of those ones that yep. can just be like a, a dumpster fire of mm. people shouting yeah, well, 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 yeah. like a dumpster fire on a, on a train that's going off a cliff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't think there was various comments about a recent you know, presidential debate. <laughs> that was relevant to me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But no, I think uh, one of the things that it has highlighted is distinct lack of learning how to engage information yeah. or even to converse about different 
points of view. Or but maybe those two things are entirely separate. They both create this dumpster fire that happens. <laughs> I think if we could listen and, you know, show humility and learn a little better from each other, we'd be in a better place. But I think also we would avoid some of the pitfalls if there was more of an awareness of how to identify yeah. fallacy and, you know, philosophical argument and stuff like that. And uh, I think that's maybe a, a gap in how we talk about things, maybe deliberately so. Uh, I think there's some fear kind of narrative in certain circles around th people who think differently or you know mm. all of that sort of thing mm. but in the long run that's problematic because when people are exposed to something they don't know how to see how a poor argument is being constructed or mm. how to assess evidence or you know all of that sort of thing and so they talk about the, the information overload it's like not that people are undereducated it's that we just have access to too much and so people yeah. don't know how to filter it i don't know we need to learn be able to provide people filters uh is one of the things i do probably share mm. a lot more than i used to yes is maybe less of the argument itself on any particular topic and more on Processes? like yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I think I literally posted a how to identify a logical fallacy yes, at one yes. point recently, things like that, yeah. because it's, yeah. Which is important to do because with all the blessings that do come with these type of platforms, as you both alluded to, now there's information out there which would have otherwise been never on a public platform, mm -hmm. whereas now you can probably, I'm sure that there are Facebook groups that exist out there where you can live stream a cross burning, for example. I know that's the extreme, but that's the point. That's the point. It's like now there is... In some ways, some of these avenues and places and conspiracy theories and things mm. like that all get floated on these type of platforms. Yeah, well, like, they were always there. They were. They but were, they but were now not they're more, mass marketed. That, and that's what I yeah. mean. Now they're, they're platformed in such an exponential way. Yeah. And yeah. it's like that which you never used to be on a global platform, mm. maybe on a localized platform, or maybe like certain chat room platforms. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, dominated. Yeah. So like, rather than your one tinfoil hat mm. yes. guy in the group of 100, you've mm. got like... Uh, 500,000 on the yeah. mm. And they go to TikTok. <laughs> and the, the danger of that is it normalizes. Yeah. So yeah. what would have been quite evidently a, you know, a warp in someone's thinking when you isolate yourself. I mean, it's the problem of any kind of silo thinking, but even more so in those conspiracy mm. or, you know, like those really extreme ways of mm. thinking that creates a whole other level of issue when people are surrounded by other people who confirm that. Mm. Yeah. And that's why I like what you said about like how to then it's about those processes, like how do we digest information rightly, like mm. point out the logical fallacy mm. or fact checking, and mm. almost social media literacy in terms yeah. of like the yeah. information that we receive. But we, I think we also have to be careful to to create, um, or like we need to create an appetite for that because mm. you can yell till you know the end of time yep. something that is true or right or, but unless it is being received. It, do, it doesn't matter, like, the more someone hears a challenge to something that's a deeply held belief, the more it actually creates the mm. reverse, it reinforces their, makes them more resistant to thinking yes. about that. So unless we do that with mm. some, even considering how they're going to receive yeah. that. Like, and I think that's one of the biggest things that I've had some really long conversations with people about, even being involved in a bigger church where there is more diverse opinions and, I mean, every kind of place on the spectrum of what people might think about any particular thing and trying to find the balance between what discipleship and formation and how we actually 
conducting ourselves in the world and, and as leaders or people with a platform or as people teaching on things, we're taking a direction on something, but also bringing people in on that conversation in ways that's going to be helpful and not just shutting down or, or shutting them out of the conversation, which I think there's a lot of that in the whole shouty social media thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and not to create a moral equivalence necessarily on content-wise, because there are certain mm. toxicities, toxic content out there that mm. can often be much more on the conspiracy theory yeah. end of things. But so not to go moral equivalence on the whole thing, but there is nonetheless a sense in which you can find even in more progressive circles, a type of dialogue online that, like, if you, I don't know, I, I, I want to be very careful because I want to validate that a hard anger emotional response has a very valid place, mm. especially on a platform end of things, because it, it airs the, emo the raw emotion that mm. hurts and occurs. I don't want to come mm. across as like minimizing that or yeah. saying, well, just have a stoic, you know, healthy mm. conversation where it's actually deeply personal. Yeah. That, said, it, that said, there is also a place of recognizing that hey, if you don't want to activate everyone's amygdalas to the point where they can never have a <laughs> yeah. chat, maybe if you're able to do it, and not everyone can, and maybe that's not everyone's role, and that's mm. fine, um, but if you can be a person who can then use your platform in ways that, um, as you said, invite those yeah. people who would otherwise actually be much more open to the journey of, of thinking mm. through things differently if only the ways it was either conducted publicly or even a private direct message or in personal conversations in person. Yeah. Like you can actually, she facilitate a lot of change of what they wouldn't otherwise voice because of being like, oh, if I comment on that, am, am I the person who is, is unwoke or am yeah. I the person who doesn't have it all figured out? Mm. Yeah. I think like it speaks a lot to understanding the responsibility that comes with having a platform, especially the greater that platform gets or the, the broader the range of that, that there is actually a lot of responsibility that comes with mm. that. I, I remember standing on stage preaching and going, people are going to walk out of this and quite possibly literally believe everything I say and mm. that scares the hell out of me. But also you have the responsibility of recognising that the people in the crowd are going to respond to you one way or the other and you're not going to land everything every time. You're all human. But to try and consider it pastorally, I guess, or at least mm. heartfeltly, how people are going to take away mm. things you say to at least try and show as much love as possible? I want to draw rules for everything. Like, I'm not a rule person, but I want to know, I want to work out, this is how, you, okay, this is the line on that stuff. I want to find where the line is. Like, mm. um, well, I don't know. <laughs> you didn't quite catch the thing. But like, I do, I, I really do genuinely seek to figure that out. I'm constantly reminding myself that it's literally a, a, a situation by situation mm. because there's always so many things at play. I am very aware that I can, I can be reflective, I guess, on my own. And I've definitely made the wrong call in both ways. I think I have failed to speak when I should have. And I think I've also taken the line of being the stirrer when I didn't need to be, or maybe been more provocative than I needed to be. I wanted to be seen as at that moment in time. But then I'm also acutely aware that there is a whole conversation to be had around tone policing and things like that. And depending on what perspective yeah. we're talking about here or, or what, what issues. I, I come from a place of being an observer to most of the things I'm having a conversation about. And even in ones where I'm not, I might speak about, you know, women in leadership or women's equity, knowing that I am so far removed from most of the effects of that because of other layers of privilege. That means I can say things like, well, maybe we need to approach it in a way that gives time for people to come along on the journey. Well, I have the luxury of time for a journey. And I guess that for me means I take more responsibility in that. Then I come back to the whole, like, well, should I be the one using my privilege to 
to yeah. challenge or to speak. Yeah, so it's like this balance, but I, I'm the one who can take yeah. the time. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I haven't found an answer on that one yet. Yeah. I just try. Yeah. To not but I think you're right in something you're saying about like considering on a case by case basis. Because mm. I remember one time I was, I didn't get to actually do it, but I was invited to preach at a brethren church randomly. Wow. Uh, and kudos for the invite. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I know, so now I got an invite. It didn't pan out, but I was just like having conversations with them and filling certain things out with not someone directly from the church, but the connection. Mm. Uh, somehow we got onto like women in leadership and mm. um, gender equality, and it's like you know that that would be a really great space to walk in there and deliver that message. Yeah. It would also be a complete waste of time. Yeah. And it would actually, like you say, just entrench them back mm. into a previous yeah. situation. So even though, and on top of that that responsibility of going, well, it's probably not even my space to say mm. something like that. But understanding the context that people are involved in the way, because right, I, I, I can't preach that message, but I could preach equality and love mm. in a way that they understand. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. And yeah. perhaps allow the contours of that journey to have its the seeds of science, yeah. so to speak. To yeah, like I don't have to be the one who sees it. I can just do what I can. Mm. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, I think it was really fascinating as well, like exploring those layers of privilege. Mm. Um, and I think as it relates to that, it also comes down to, well, I, I've said it before, it's like, if, you know, to use the metaphor of the body of Christ, mm. maybe we all play different roles yeah. and that's actually okay. Like, I think for myself lately, um, speaking personally, like, even how I engage on social media now, I've kind of come to a place where I'm like, I'm for advocacy, but I'm not an, the advocate. I'm probably more of a teaching person. So if I'm going to do advocacy, I'm going to do it from a very teachy point of view. And that way, you know, we use a lot of Bible study and we use a lot of content. But that tender lends itself to bring the bridge builder. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, so that's going to be my role. Like, uh, and that's okay. And I've actually found that I've had some really, really healthy conversations. So a very practical one is like Black Lives Matter. Mm. I like wrote an 18,000 word thing on Black Lives Matter. I was very careful to make sure that I was uplifting voices of color because then that would just be white privilege. But I was nonetheless going, actually, I think this is probably more my role. Like maybe I can be that person who... Um, is removed in such a manner that I can have those conversations that mm. need to be had, but in a completely different space mm. and a completely different body, completely different skin pigment and, and mm. background understanding that for other people it doesn't have to be that. And I think it's about just recognising kind of one's role, role mm. in that. And even asking, I think one of the... Um one of the things a friend said is when I had got it wrong recently, probably should have responded to something in a different way. My friend said, why didn't you just ask? Mm. Wow. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that probably would have been a good idea, right? Mm, mm. I, yeah, sometimes we jump in, especially where it's something outside of our own yep. kind of like, yeah, just asking what's going to be the most helpful here mm. um, and listening to the people who probably mm. have more skin in the game. Yeah. No pun intended. No, yeah. No. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But that, that makes sense because yeah. it's that humbling process of like, mm. I'm not in your lived experience, mm. so what's it look like to... Yeah. To help you in your yeah, and it doesn't mean staying out of it, it mm. or or not being involved, but literally like what what's going to be the most helpful, mm. like mm. or or what what do I need to learn, or what do you need from us? And mm. I, I think that was the question that I had failed, like mm. you know, in a recent situation, was to ask you know what do you need from us? Mm. Yeah, but, and, and there's humility oh, okay. to that. Mm. Just, we don't really see humility and leadership mm. modeled very well yeah. mm. anywhere, yeah. Mm. really. To yeah. to stand up in front and go, well, yeah, I was wrong, mm. or mm. I don't know. That's the biggest scariest word mm. anyone could say mm-hmm. from the front. Um, yeah, but mostly the most honest one. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and that I think is one of the things that I do see room for in that online platform, especially in some more niche spaces, the opportunity to be a better example, which I think ultimately the church is supposed to be. We don't necessarily do very well. I always say the church broadly, not um, individually. I think we're supposed to be that example of mm. how to do things better. In the absence of that, I think, you know, 
the body of Christ, you know, individuals who are trying to do that yeah. can, do, can do that. And online means there are like people who can see that who would otherwise never see an mm. example of mm. those things, mm. sadly. But, you know, mm. especially I, I just think of some of the ways that has even for people who are in rural settings who literally can't find a church where they feel safe and welcome and, and how like online spaces have been a place for them to see, mm. you know, good leadership modeled or, you mm. know, all of that sort of thing. So mm. and even even not just online, but just that more public That's kind right. of platform means that uh, and I am seeing this to an extent even with our own church. Mm. I don't think a lot of contemporary churches had seen a church engage with something like the Black Lives Matter movement and the conversation around that. And then for other smaller spaces or churches that have, haven't ever seen an example of that, to watch something more publicly play out can go, oh, it's possible to do that or even maybe we should be doing that. And, and so, there, yeah, for all the, the pitfalls of the public mm. sphere. Totally. Has that validated power in, in that sense? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it makes it feel like it's worth it to pursue right. those things. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I yeah, wrestle with whether we should or we shouldn't or is it. Yeah. I think, like, one of the things that sort of – we were talking about this at the pub on the way here mm. – that is that difference between when you, when you have a platform that you can sort of incite change or you mm. can sort of, like, make a difference or encourage in some way or advocate for, but – there's always going to be like that guy in some country town somewhere who's like writing all the petitions and making all the change and actually like groundwork doing the job will never be recognized for it. Mm. And just, I get it's that humbling to remember that any platform you have is just an ability to encourage people to do that. Mm. And, um, and to recognize that just because we said something out loud doesn't mean that we made the change ourselves. Like yeah. we're like, woo, pat in the yeah. back, we did a great sermon or we did mm. a great talk. If it doesn't actually lead someone yeah. to actually mm. do something about that, then mm. not as well. Right. Yeah. So what would you, what advice would we give to anyone who is looking to get a platform <laughs> or um, is finding themselves being given one? Mm. Like what would be our advice to someone who's like sort of coming, starting out on that journey? I can, I can probably share the most unhelpful, helpful advice. I ever yeah, the best type. Yeah. Looking back, I think one of the things we were always taught was, you know, pursue what you're passionate about. Entirely true. And I, and I think that would be my go-to with a little bit of a qualifier because I think that some of the, not misuse, sometimes misuse, not always, but like some of the, you know, not so great uses of platform, you know, like they come from the places of the most like passionate, like, mm. you know, I think we were always told all you needed mm -hmm. was to be passionate about something. I think that learning and humility and, you know, if you're passionate about it, that's where you invest the energy. So it, it, they weren't wrong, mm -hmm. but where they said, it, it was like, okay, if you're passionate about it, pursue the platform for it. I, I would turn that around and say, if you're passionate about it, pursue the depth in it mm. and you'll find the platform. Uh, I wouldn't really say public platform isn't everything. The most change I've ever seen and the, the better things I've achieved haven't been with crowds. They've been on a much smaller scale. Mm. You know, that's everyone's experience and maybe people who... Uh, have much bigger <laughs> crowds and platforms would tell me otherwise. Um, and maybe they could tell people how to actually get a platform like that or, you know, invest in that. But, I, yeah, I think if I could go back, I'd spend more time investing in building the depth so that when the conversations or the opportunities for any kind of platform were there, I wouldn't regret what I'd said. I would say discern your role, the type of person you're going to be on your platform with integrity. Mm -hmm. And that's... Uh, 
the imagery that I'm working with at the moment, which maybe people will tear apart later, feel free to do so, would be looking at Jesus. And when I, I'm always haunted by Jesus because I can't put Jesus in the box, even with how he engages. Yeah. So on one hand, Jesus does flip tables. Mm. No two ways about that. In fact, I would argue we probably need more table flipping more generally. Amen. However, <laughs> but I'm always haunted by the fact that Nicodemus came to him at night. Mm. I'm always haunted by the fact that he spoke one way publicly. Mm. And when he spoke publicly, it was to groups. And so there was a systemic challenge mm. that he brought. And yet he also did those one-on-one conversations with Pharisees, with centurions, like the occupying force yeah. of the Roman Empire. He managed to have mm. conversations around that, like the literal enemies. And I'm like... I'm always haunted by Jesus and how he engages in integrity. And I think of, and this is maybe where I'm wrong, but in terms of having that engagement with integrity as taking that to the body of Christ, like maybe we have different roles to play as it relates to social change as long as you do it with grace mm. and integrity. Mm. Mm. I always uh, am reminded also that Jesus flipped tables in the same temple that he That's read right. scrolls in. And in case any of my pastors ever end up listening to that, don't worry, I'm not planning on flipping any tables <laughs> in any... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, probably. The good coffee's like, on these tables. Part of, yeah, we're, we're way too close to the coffee. Yes, yes. <laughs> tables right now. But he is, he's part of the thing that he is most critical of. Yeah. He's invested That's in right. it and known by the people there. So he's not just a random from the outside that comes mm-hmm. and makes a mess. Yes. He's someone that they would be shook by when he was upset at the way things were yes. because of the connection. Yes, mm. yes. And, and sorry, I just have to add to that, but what I love about that story as well, and I do think it relates to public platform, especially around mm. doing it with integrity and crafting it well, is that it says in John's Gospel that he had to make a whip. And I'm always haunted by that as well. I was like, this was a coordinated um way that he he used his force Mm. um it wasn't just an angry outburst it was a nonetheless angry outburst because he had to be angry it's an injustice but done in such a incredibly channeled way and i just i'm always haunted by that and i wonder how we could do public engagement that even if we are doing it in the in our spaces where people know us to do it in ways that Mm. it's directed it's confrontational sometimes but even then has a coordinated component to it yeah I always like the imagery on, there's this uh, young adults book series called the Aragon Dragons Fantasy mm. and lots of stuff, but there's this imagery in there where uh, they meet the Dwarf King and he sits on a very rough cut stone throne and uh, they say to him, well, that doesn't look very comfortable to sit on. Um, and his response to him is like, well, that's the point. Like anyone sitting in a place of leadership should never be comfortable there. And I'm reflecting back, like I'm always highly suspicious of people who deliberately want to chase a platform for the platform's sake mm. and people who are all too comfortable standing on it. And that's just part of me, like I want a raw, real conversation um, from people up the front, so that's just part of my desire. But uh, like I well, like what you're saying, Tara, just that idea of chasing the, chasing the passion mm. and the platform will come rather than going, I have something to say, <laughs> look at me, as if that's enough. Mm. It's, it is about finding your voice and what it is that you have and I think you have to be okay to say that to a room of one as well as a room of a million. And if you were to run, if you were to like show up to a conference and two people rocked up, would you still say what you had to say? Mm. And I think if the answer is yes, then you're in the right spot. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, this has been a good platform <laughs> <laughs> to have this com- very meta conversation on platforms mm. and how we use them. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Mm. Nothing wrong. Well, um, 
given that's a platform of find a line, like and share our stuff, that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, to to get the love out there of, of um, sharing our stuff. Anything we can promote of what you're doing? Or? <laughs> we do a pretty good job generally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've heard about this little church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we, we, are <laughs> yeah. we are actually back in the building doing church, yep, which is great. Right, yeah. so, in, in Perth, Western yeah, Australia, yeah, it's important to, to yeah. state that. Actually, and COVID friendly. Just want to put that out there. And, and I want to jump in just because like, I have a certain pre preconception about Hillsong, as I'm sure we've all had at some point or another. And I, hearing the conversations between you guys and from Nathan and stuff, um, I don't hold to that as sharply as I have in the past. Like, I wouldn't just go, oh, Hillsong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can appreciate that. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Don't, I, I wouldn't dismiss you, and especially mm. Dennis Perry, but no, I definitely wouldn't dismiss you or anything you're doing at all. So, mm. Mm. yeah. Um, obviously, Nathan has his own podcast, Deeper and Wider. So go oh, and yeah. check that out. Cool, cool. Thank uh, you. <laughs> also, check out uh, Please Stop, another one of our podcasts. Um, with Anna, Tish and Beck they do some really great conversations rock and roll well we'll see you on the flip side that's a cool cool hip way to finish up on <laughs> final line so unfortunately you your listeners don't get to witness the dance that came along with it. yeah he, he literally flipped it was great <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> alright see ya see ya everybody